Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that is what God will do for you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. It will happen that at the end of today, you'll be wiser than you were when you came in. Yes. You'll walk closer with the Lord better than when you came in. Amen. And all the afflictions of life, they will drop away from you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It will remove every confusion in your life in Jesus' name. He sent his word and it healed them. And that word delivered them from all their destructions. So every destruction, every affliction, every trouble is being destroyed today in the name of Jesus Christ. Wholeness of spirit, soul, and body is being imparted into you as this word is coming forth in Jesus' name. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, this is what salvation is. We will continue to teach on that. Um, I didn't even realize that we have been on it for quite a while. You know, time flies. I hope some people are used, of course, everybody that's been listening to me, I used to be able to by now. I teach very long series. I teach a series, 13 messages, 14 messages. This one is like number, is it nine? Ten. Okay. So, I mean, when I found out that we had been on it for that long, I was surprised because I'm not near finishing yet. Yes. And so, I don't know how long we're going to be on it. So, just bear with us. It's not the longest we've had so far anyway. We've had series much longer than that. All right, this is what salvation is. We are talking about that. Let us take two portions, of the, a number of portions of the scriptures to uh, start today. Let me start from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I read it some time ago. Just want to get back to it. Remember what we've been explaining is that salvation is in three parts. And that's a matter of fact. Salvation is in three parts. There is salvation in the past. There is ongoing salvation. And then there is salvation in the future. What that means is that there are, there's a portion of the salvation of God that's already accomplished. That's the one in which we are born again. That is, we are reconciled to God. At that point, we are declared righteous. Jesus breathes upon you at that point in time and says, receive the Holy Spirit. That is what he does. He breathes upon you then and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And when he says the Holy Spirit in that context, please, let me just, for those who might like to know Bible things, not just beyond just knowing the word of God, I want to know Greek, Hebrew, and accuracy of letters. Let me just explain. The word spirit in the Bible has diversities of uses. Huge, huge. And that's what causes the confusion sometimes. If you don't get a context, you will just, people will be having arguments. You've seen some people will tell you that um, uh, the Holy Spirit is not a person, but that it's a force. You've heard that argument before? Yes, that is, they say that um, uh, you don't have the Holy Spirit as a person, and the reason is because if it's a person, why is he feeling somebody? And they'll give you a lot of scriptures, 
to show that it's actually a force in operation. I know the interesting part, they are correct in the scriptures they choose. Those scriptures chosen are right. And those scriptures actually say what they are saying. Except that that is not all there is to it. Jesus said in the name of the Father, that you baptize them how? In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, that word Holy Spirit in Greek has the definitive article. I don't, I don't like speaking Greek when I'm preaching. It's not good, all right? <laughs> That's just for me. It's different from when it says that, that God will give the Holy Spirit to whoever asks him. And Jesus was speaking. That one doesn't have that the article there. So that describes the manifestations of God, the power of God, you know, the force of God. So that's what, it, that's what it meant when he said, if you ask the father for a fee, for your father for, that if you ask a father, if your children ask you for a fish, will you give them serpent? That's what he was talking about. All right? So when he talks about the Holy Spirit, all right, it's a different thing. Now, so when Jesus comes and says, now, let me just say more about that. So the, the use of the word spirit, like when Paul tells you the uh, walk in the spirit or walk by the spirit, the word by and in, depending on the Bible you are using, is the same word in Greek, Okay? Now, when it says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, that was spirit. If you look at it in context, Paul was using that word to mean love. Yes, not teaching on it now, Galatians chapter 5. What it was saying there is that every law has a spirit. And it says, walk in love. So in that context, he said, upon this commandment, that's these two commandments, Jesus said, hangs what? All the law and the prophets. So they hang on the, those two commandments, which is what? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul was explaining that you don't need the law if you are, if you are perfectly in the love of Christ. You don't need it because you walk in love at all times. So he was saying that every commandment has a spirit. So that spirit is love. So when he says walk in the spirit, he wasn't saying... As you are going on the road, close your eyes and check, does the Holy Spirit want me to look left and right before I cross? You now say, shkobobo, shkobobo, shkobobo. Am I checking left or right? And some Christians interpret that as walking in the Spirit. That's not what it means to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit does not mean you are planless. Walking in the Spirit does not mean you just move by impulse. Jesus used to have a plan. It is not wrong to have a plan. Do you get my point? That is, like I always tell believers, just make sure your plan is limited to the day, that season. So Jesus will tell them, go two by two into this city, this city, this city, this village, this village, this town, this town, because I'm going to come there. You are getting the logic, all right? So walking the spirit does not mean you are just totally erratic. Nobody can predict you. There are Christians like that, they are erratic. They think they are spiritual. No, you are not spiritual. You are simply what? Erratic. You are not sure of when you will wake up in the morning. So when are you waking up tomorrow? Depends on what my spirit says. It doesn't work like that. So let's not sit too much on that. So when Jesus says, receive the spirit, the Holy Spirit, sometimes the word holy just describes the character of that spirit. It's not saying receive the third person of the Godhead. It wasn't saying that. He just says, receive a spirit that is pure. This is a regenerated spirit which you can have now because I have paid the price. This is a spirit you can have now because I have been raised up again from the dead. This is spirit is a new creation now. I am the first of the last, do you understand, the last Adam. 
Jesus is the first of the last Adam. Like we said last time, that this first of the last Adam, do you understand? It is a new creation. So we are now, physically speaking, we may all look alike, but we are different. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, we are different. Just like you can have different bacteria, different organisms, having the same out, out, uh, outer features, but deep inside, what controls one, what one is doing in life is different from what the next person is doing. Never forget it. Once you give your life to Christ, you are a new being. You are a new being. You are new. You are new, you know. Let me say this again. Let me just sit on it for a moment before we read this. You are actually new. Before you gave your life to Christ, you were from Abia State. After you gave your life to Christ, you don't even know where you are from anymore. You are now a citizen of heaven. Abia State for you now is history. Is the Hittiteness of your soul and the Amoriteness of your soul. Sometimes Christians don't get it. One man I saw one day, one day was talking. He said, I was an Igbo man before I became a Christian. I said, don't be stupid. When you became a Christian, you stopped being an Igbo man. It is not as if this one came first. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He's like saying, I was sick before I became healed. So I'm, still, I'm a healed sick man. Are you, are you normal? Don't, don't get it. You, know, you cannot do, as a Christian, one of the things I want to principle this is that if you want to be a Christian, be a Christian. This is jokey, 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 jokey thing we are doing. Don't get you anywhere. God will soon slap you. Your head will spin 250 degrees. Okay, I meant 360, actually. Forget this nonsense. That's what, that's what, people think that Christianity is a new, you know, is a badge that I buy. I add to the other badges. I have a degree. Bachelor's in engineering. That's a badge. Then I have a PhD in engineering. That's a badge. I have another PhD in in um, one sub special uh, special area of engineering, another badge. Then I get another degree called Christianity. I put it there. And I say, which one is more important to you? You say, mm, this one was first. So Christ will take his position on the queue. Engineering, current. That's, is that what they call them? Yes. The body in Nigeria. They will be first before Christ because I was an engineer before I gave my life to Christ. Basically, you are high on something. You don't realize it. Once you become a believer, God knocks away your former identity. He said, your father was a Hittite. Your mother an Amorite. That is a matter of fact. Now, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That takes preeminence. Listen to me. If God did not have an assignment for you on this earth, he would have taken you away. Once you give your life to Christ, you now realize there are two things you are supposed to do. Your primary assignment, which is part of what I want to talk about today, is to develop Christ-likeness into perfection. Then secondarily, you have an assignment to do for people on the earth. You have an assignment to accomplish on this earth in manifesting the goodness of God into the environment. Those are the two things. Christians don't understand. Listen, the more I meditate, the more I realize that our problem, you know, God says something. Is the hand of the Lord too short that they cannot deliver? Now, when we don't see the power of God manifested in life, we are the problem. We are the problem. And we have an assignment, we have a duty to work on ourselves until the power of God becomes normal with us. 
And that's the quest of my soul. That's my prayer point these days. God, that your power will become normal with your people. That's what is strong in my heart. That's what I want. If God says, what do you want me to do for you? I said, God, do this one. I want to see it in my lifetime. But what the Spirit is saying is that it is the people, that is the people of God, they have been the hindrance to the manifestation of the power of God. It's just the people of God. And the little things, like I said earlier, they don't even understand their identity. They are born again. They think they just got a new badge. So they expect the old life to continue while I have eternity secure. That's not how Jesus does it. Let me say what I said before. Let me say it again. I'm not joking. If you want to give, if you come to Christ so you can secure eternity while you live a normal life, you're not born again. I don't know what I heard I said. There are those who just want Jesus Christ so they can escape hellfire. It doesn't work like that. Though. I said you that time, I'll say it again. You cannot live your life recklessly and say, the one I want to die, I'll give my life to Christ. Jesus won't collect it. Is it everything they give you, you take? No, think about it. Is it everything they give you, you take? People think that Jesus cannot reject. Under such circumstances, he doesn't accept it. You have not come at the right, on, on the right terms. You have to come in his own terms. There was a man who came for the feast. The Lord of the feast made everybody come. He said, compel them to come. He came with the wrong garment. They threw him out. You are coming for his feast, you have to come with the right garment. Don't just think you will just carry your life to, to Jesus Christ and then he will just collect it just because the Bible says that whoever comes to him, he will know why he's cast out. Listen to me. It is those that really come to him. Not those who came to make, a, make, a, make fun of him. Want to crack a joke with him. You really have to come on his terms. People don't get scriptures in context. You have to come on his terms. Tell everybody that, he said that before I die, I give my life to Christ. Say, you are just going to go to hell. There's no, you know the problem with Christians is that we, we, we make people feel as if God is begging them. Please, now come and save me. And I have so many places in heaven. People, nobody is staying in my house. The place is cold. Come and warm up my house in heaven. That, that is the way we present the gospel. Me, I don't preach the gospel like that. I have an attitude that my wife didn't understand for a long time. Now she, she's getting it too now. I have never been one to beg people. Beg you. I give a man a tract one day. He, he says something. I give him an, a, a, an answer. It's very close by here. It was when I first came to Enugu. I, was share, I, went, I used to go around putting our tracts. There was no meeting like that. I just used to write tracts and we'll print. I went to one bookshop. So I give them to bookshops. Please hand over to your customers. So I got there that day. This man was impressed. He started talking. He said, which one do you attend? I said that, well, I, um, I'm new in town. Literally, I was new in town that time. And that my church I was attending in Lagos is not in this town, so I'm still trying to settle down. Then he opened his mouth and told me something like, uh, I don't know what I believe. That why should I be changing churches anyhow? I'm like, is your head correct? I told you I just came from Lagos. The church I was attending in Lagos, they don't have a branch in this city. And even if they did, I don't guarantee I will go there. No pastor died for me. He now made a mistake. I said, ah, this tract that I gave himself, he doesn't know whether he should read it. The way I snatched it from his hand. The way I snatched it. The guy, I'm sure he didn't believe it. Come on, give me my thing. That time, it was only my wife and I that was giving all the offering to Kingdom World. I know how much that, that, that cost me. <laughs> Do you get my point? If Kingdom World spent money that time, look, we can say it's Kingdom World, but truly is now we spend the money. It's not now that uh, from everywhere, you know, money comes for Kingdom World and Kingdom World can spend its own money. That, those days, you see, me and my wife were kingdom word. 
So I knew the course of that paper I was giving him. The way I snatched it from his hand. Give me my thing. Huh? Are we begging you to be saved? Give me my paper. You want to go to hellfire? You need transport? I'm sorry. That's how I am. I'm not planning to repent tomorrow. I'm not planning to change. The, the way we present this gospel, that's why people believe they don't, they don't repent. Uh, wait, I've given my life to Christ. Now what else do you want? I, I shouldn't have girlfriends again because I'm not coming to your church. Ah, boss, I, said, I thought you gave your life to Christ. Uh, wait, I can give Christ my life, but I have to enjoy my life. So you know, do you know most pastors are okay with that? Just fill the seat and give the offerings. We can count that our church now has you know, 700 members. Me? Lie, lie. In Jesus' name, lie, lie. I will so kick you out. The way I will kick you out. You say, don't you want me to be saved? I'll say, no. We have enough people. Of, we'll check. Your type is complete in heaven. Go. You should be begging to enter the kingdom. From the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers violence. People enter forcefully. They take it back. That is, they are pushing to enter. Everyone is struggling to get in. I'm sorry, yo. That's why I don't understand follow-up. I'm not saying follow-up is bad. I just don't have the anointing. And you know the truth? But those who do it realize that 90% of the times they fail. You know the truth? 90% of those follow-up times, you may say, hey, people followed me up, they helped me. Do you know the truth? You wanted to serve Christ. You, you wanted. You wanted. The fact is that you wanted to serve. That's why the follow-up worked. Uh, look, listen, let me just make it clear. I believe in helping young believers, all right, to encourage them. But the idea of begging people is not scriptural. It's not scriptural. So what I'm trying to explain, you know, I went in that, into that and explained that don't just think we have, you have the liberty to hand Christ your life when you have, you have finished with it. So I've chopped life, nothing more to chop. Let's chop Christ. Christ said, sorry, you taste bad. I don't want you to. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let's get that clear. Please preach that to people. Don't let them be doing you, Shakara. Say, oh boy, this one you are doing. You will soon go to hell. And please, there's nothing wrong with preaching hell. He said, praise the God of love. That is called the God of love. For God so loved you, doesn't want you to go to hell. It goes together. You cannot understand the love of God until you understand your doom. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, the people that understand love are the ones that, you know, there's one thing Jesus said. He said, that, that woman came, was, you know, crying, weeping on the feet of Jesus, you know, using her head to wipe. Then ah! the Pharisee looked, and the other Pharisee said, This guy is not holy. If he was holy, he can't let such a sinner be touching his feet. Maybe he's even enjoying the touch. Hmm. You see, prophet, I don't believe it. Jesus said, Simon, let me ask you a question. Now, you remember the question he asked? One was for giving a large sum, one was for giving a small sum. Which one we love more? Are you getting my point here? Those are the people that appreciate salvation. That was why the Pharisees, they felt they were holy. They didn't get anything from Jesus Christ. The ones that they call sinners, they say, yes, we are sinners. 
Those who don't understand they are doomed, they don't give their... Look, one day one brother was asked when we were in school, when did you give your life to Christ? You know what he said? It's like that Lagos prophet. You know that joker in Lagos? That guy is just a comedian. Those who argue with me that he's a, a true prophet, I just look at him and say, your head is not working. The one that said he was born again from his mother's womb. Do you understand my point? That shows he doesn't even know the meaning of being born again. They say, when did you give He said he was born again from his mother's womb. That's what happened when one brother was asked in school, when did you give your life to Christ? You know what he said? That when, when, when did you get born again? He said he didn't need to be born again because he grew up in the north. The story I'm telling you is like 30 years ago. That brother was like, what? He said, yes, that there's too much sin in the south. It's those who grew up in southern Nigeria that need to be born again. That he, he grew up in the north. So this sin, we, we all of them are the sin. We know the sin for that side. The brother he told almost collapsed. That as far as the guy was concerned, he did not, and that's the point. As far as he was concerned, he did not need salvation. He did not, as far as he was concerned, he didn't need it. And let me say it in clear terms. If you are like that, Jesus will not save you. He said, because you say we see, we can see. He said, therefore, your sin will remain. Please, when you want to preach salvation to people, don't leave this begging out of it. Leave this begging out of it. Tell people the truth. If you continue like this, you will die and go to hell. A loving God, they say, will not send people to a hellfire. That is true. But a just God will. Because God is just, he will send anybody who rejects the son into eternal damnation. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where the worms do not die. Hey. You know, this caricature of God that we have is not good. Look at right now, he's flogging the whole world. And pastors can't say it. They can't say it. Pastors will say that it's the devil that's, that's causing coronavirus. Can devil spare corona? Like Pastor Delvan said, that God sent the whole world on Sabbath. Everybody, take your rest by force. And people, they keep on telling me it's the devil. That thing annoys my body, annoys my soul. If it's shout that devil thing too much, I switch you off if I'm listening to you. What nonsense. Can't we leave these childish doctrines alone? Who told you God doesn't kill people? The God I serve does not only kill people, he kills them a lot. There was a time. He didn't, he said, the devil is the God of this world. Please understand what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 there. He was talking about the people they bow down to worship. It's like telling you that um, the God of Babylon is, um, give me one of those funny, uh, one of, uh, okay, it says the Baal is the God of the Philistines. It does not mean Baal has control of their lives. It does not mean, because you go and read these prophecies of Amos, he will show you, both Amos and Jeremiah, they prophesied concerning all the nations around. They didn't say that, no, their God is not Yahweh, Jehovah. So he doesn't have a 
plan concerning them. No. He will say, look, for the three sins of Edom and for four. For the three sins of Ammon and for four. For the, it keeps, if you go and read the prophecies of Jeremiah concerning all the nations around. Why? Because the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he was, is their creator, he owns them, and is their judge. So if they decide to choose Baal as their God, is their problem. In Babylon, they had all kinds of gods. They did not build a big god, a, a god of gold and said that um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should bow down to it. Yet God came through Daniel's interpretation to tell Nebuchadnezzar that I rule in the affairs of man. It's heaven that rules. I am the God of heaven. I rule. So when, even though Babylon had whatever God they had, that was a false God. So the God of this world is the people, is what the people focus on. So that their focus blinds them. Are you getting my point? For example, now people worship money. It's called mammon. So their worship of money does not let them see. Like Solomon said, even though the man was wise, he becomes foolish because of a bribe. I hope you're getting my point. So don't stop glorifying the devil. Like, you know, he says it's the devil that, uh, that, that created the tsunami. And then 200, a quarter of a million people died in Bandache and the surrounding islands those days. I say, the devil? The devil that had to get swimming something to run out of the tsunami. The devil that had to run. Eh? Say, boys, let's move. Oh. The devil called Basketball. You are still here? <laughs> he said, the whole earth is trembling before the God of heaven. You are still here. Oh, just create this picture of, you know, God is a good God. Yes, he is a good God. But he's also a just God. If you offend him, he will punish you and do it severely. Let me tell you something about God. Because he knows how severe his anger can be. That's why he sent relief ahead. He said, if I handle these people, so let's not handle them. So what do we do? Send mercy ahead. So Jesus came as the mercy of God. So that whosoever believes in him, we pass out of judgment and pass into life. But anyone who rejects the son, God will say, I tried. I showed you my love, you rejected it. And listen, read your Bible well. Once you reject God's gift, what comes after it is unthinkable. People who don't realize that, they don't give their lives to Christ. We make it look like, give your life to Christ so you can prosper. Then God to say, why now? Is it not money? Let me write you a check so you won't come here again. Because you came to him. You know, there, there are things we pray sometimes. You just know there are gospels. No, not gospels now. There are false gospels actually. But born out of poverty. When you go to preach to those who have never seen food before. You'll be saying, heaven has a lot of rice. Amen. Heaven has a lot of beans. Amen. If you just give your life to Christ, bread. Steve, never, they've not seen bread in adequate quantities. So as you are preaching that gospel, those who have bread. You look at it and say, mm, gospel of bread. I'm telling you, there are, there are societies 
where, I think it was in India, they called Christianity a particular religion that had to do with, like, okay, they called it the gospel of rice. No, the religion of rice. I thought it was in South Korea or, or, or Japan. There was a place they called it the, the, the religion of rice. Why? Poor people went there to go and collect free food. So the rich never bothered because the message was so around food. So they just assumed that it's for, those, it's for the poor. But the rich should know that he too will die and can go to hell. If you tell him that, he will know that, oh boy, rich or poor. And even the poor, you should let them know that hmm, earthly poverty is not a problem. Eternal poverty is what you should solve first. I think I'm just trying to explain to her that we should get our doctrines right. All right? Let me get back to the beginning of the message again so I can reconnect. So, we explain, therefore, that the first thing we need is to be reconciled to God. When we are, once we are reconciled to God truly, that we give our lives to Christ truly. Not just trying to secure, that's the point I was trying to make, just, not just trying to secure eternity while we live anyhow. Remember, that one does not work oh. Tell everybody, that lying gospel that tells them that if you ever answered an altar call, you are eternally saved, is a lying gospel. It's not the true gospel. You are not saved unless you continue in the faith. I think I have to say that one straight. Because many people, they just come, give their lives to Christ, supposedly. Then join the church that teaches them that once you are saved, you are always saved. Then they go back and live a reckless life. Why somebody keeps on lying to them? That did you answer the altar call last year? Yes, you are still saved. And that's why he came. He wanted to secure eternity. Because he doesn't need God on the earth. He has good health insurance. He's naturally a healthy person. He's not been sick, you know. You know some people are just naturally healthy. He has money. He has all the good things of this life. What just worries him occasionally is eternity. Because one of his bosom friends died a few months ago. So he's just wondering about that guy. So, so when somebody explains to him that um, um, you can secure eternity, he buys it. But he doesn't want to change the temporal life. Please tell such people it doesn't work like that. Christianity is not a religion of convenience. It's not a religion of convenience at all. I see many people, I see these guys, <laughs> these people, they are not saved. Once Jesus is not number one, that is, once Jesus is not number one in your life, you are not, a, you are not, you are not born again. They, have to, they used to have a saying in Western Nigeria. It's not a traditional saying, but you know, it just became popular. That faith does not mean you should not do the... Which word now? Who speaks Yoruba here? What is Oro in English? Like this, okay, like masquerade. Yeah, something like that. The literal word there is masquerade, but I wanted, I wanted to get a good word to, to explain what they, are, what they mean. Basically, what they say is that your faith does not mean you do not participate in the, in the shrines, the masquerade, the, the traditional worship activities of your people. And it became a saying. Some people just quoted that. Ah, we are going home. What? New Year Festival. Ah, Christianity does not mean we will not do the Oro of our people now. 
I became a saint. There was a time that a lot of Oboni men were Anglicans. Those days, I, I, look, I heard people say it. If you criticize Catholics for some, you know, some non-biblical practices, they will remind you that, hey, stop talking, you Anglican talking. Are your people not Oboni men? And literally, they had Oboni men as Anglican priests, deacons, big men, they were in Oboni. And the tradition, they're like, no, now, faith does not mean we don't part both sides. You, you hold this one here, that's for eternity. But when you're on earth, you have to fight the PDPO. He said, the fight is rough. Since God does not believe in Togri, we will give God eternity. But this earth, let's give it to Oboni. Because Oboni people will protect you in politics, in business. And you know, that's one major problem we have. You know, we took our, faith, our preaching down to the Oboni level. We now started offering protection for business. Instead of telling people that, first, it's not compulsory you do business. Elisha was called, his business ended. Peter was called, his business ended. It's a possibility in answering the altar call of God. You don't answer an altar call and he establishes you in the way he met you. No. He can tell you, wait there, I'm coming. When he comes, from now on, you'll be fishers of men. There are those who were never fishermen. He says, he sends them to fishing. You know, Jesus, he rearranges people's lives. Though. He doesn't leave you the way he made it. Look, he will tell you, listen, from now on. Do you know, Derek Prince says something. I, you, know, you should listen to a lot of these men that I mentioned. Derek Prince said, let me tell you the story there. He gave his life to Christ just before he went to, you know, he was already in the army. Before they shipped them abroad to the Middle East, he gave his life to Christ. Then, you can listen to his message or his book, I don't know, but the, one, the title is Disciple in the Desert. So I have it as a message, all right? I listen to the audio. He didn't really have much of organized teaching like many of us have when we go to church. What happened to him was that the Holy Spirit just led him. He read his Bible. In fact, what began his whole issue was that they said you can only take one book as you are packing as a soldier. So he said, well, he liked reading. He was a philosopher. So he said, how do I get as many books in as possible? For this were the days before digital devices. So he said the only book he could find that was really a compilation of books was the Bible. So he took the Bible because it was a way to get 66 books as one book. It wasn't anything, nothing spiritual. But he used to read it, and the other soldiers used to look at him funny. They were not used to a soldier reading a Bible. But that's what, that was how his life began. He said, it didn't make any sense anyway. Of course, how can the Bible make sense to you, any, a normal person? And somebody begat, somebody begat, somebody and begat and begat. And this man was 70 years old when he begat this one, and then he lived 200 years and he died. Then he begat. And you call that a book? So he was confused. But he said, he, he read the whole book anyway, begin to the end. Do you know why? Pride. That this book will not overcome me. I will overcome this book. This book, you think you are tough. He read the begotten and big. He made, it made no sense to him. But along the line, he, once somebody invited him to a church, he gave his life to Christ. Let me not bore you with details. Then when he was, listen to what I'm going to say carefully, that when he was in his post in the Middle East, the time came when, now, let me try and summarize the message and so I don't mix out, miss out the details. You know, mix, mix up the details, actually. A time came, he needed to decide whether he was going back home or he was going to answer what he knew was a call of God for his life. And he had to stay behind, yes, in Palestine. 
But the British, so, uh, the British Army owed him a passage back home. And he had a career waiting for him. He was a university teacher. So he needed to make up his mind. He said, but something him told him that now you make up your mind. If you go this way, you can go home, no problem. But if you want, and you will never fulfill God's destiny for your life. If you want to fulfill the destiny of God, you have to stay behind. That's a summary of it. I've got the details now. But this is where I'm going. He said, my grandfather, he said, the only person in his house, the only person his family was close to, all right, was his grandfather. Because everybody in his family, they've been military men and all of that. So he was very close to his grandfather. And his grandfather was 90-something years old, I think, if I remember well. And he had advanced cancer. So the man desperately wanted to see Derek before he would die. Are you getting me? And he wanted to see his grandfather before he would die, before the man would die. In fact, I think he said, if I'm not mistaken, that he believed that one of the reasons why the man was still alive was that the man wanted to see him. That desire to see his grandson. So let me tell you something about Christianity. God will put you on the spot. You have to make choices that will tell Jesus Christ you are serious. It is a wrong gospel that makes it look like uh, they just agree and they call it believing. Believing and agreeing are not, to, are not the same things. Go and read the Amplified Bible. He will explain the word believe to you. To cling to, to adhere to, not to agree with you. When you are believing, you cling to this man, Christ Jesus. You adhere to him. Not, I will see you later. I like you. I like your ministry. No, that's not Jesus for you. The prince said, he, do you know what? He made up his mind to follow Christ. And he never saw his grandfather. His life became, if you look at it, was a mess. Initially. He was going to get married. The Lord told him expressly, to marry, I think it was Lydia, his first wife. If you do not know, Lydia was 25 years older than him. <laughs> there was no, listen, there was no, there was no doubt in it. The voice was clear. The Lord was clear about it. Lydia had, I forgot, maybe like six or seven or eight adopted daughters. In fact, when the reprints started coming to their house, they thought he was chasing the first daughter. They, they couldn't believe that he was going to marry their mother. He wasn't coming there for any reason like that. Just, the, the woman was a Christian, so a lot of soldiers used to pass through the house for encouragement and all of that. And he was a young believer. Oh, somebody said, go there. So he went. So he just used to come around to help. Just come around there a lot so you could help them. One night they had to escape because the war had become so serious. So they opened the door, you know, God opened, opened the door for them to escape. He left with his wife and all those girls and arrived back in the UK. He was 40 something or 40 years old and he said he had no money. No bank account, no house, 
those girls had to be scattered in different homes. Two of them go and live with this uncle, go and live with this church member. Two of you go and live here. And no plans. That's the part of it I like. He said, most importantly, I had no plans. He didn't even know where his wife life was going. Now, let me explain to you. He was not a jobless man. He was a university professor. Cambridge told him, your seat is open. As soon as the war is over, return. He had to write Cambridge back that I'm sorry, I will not be coming back. But God had a call upon his life. There's a word, you know, if you listen, I watched this video that time. I think I had the video. I can't remember now. No, I don't think I have it anymore. I think it was my friend's own. Yes. It's a book I have. It said, it, it shall be a spring. The spring shall become a stream. The stream shall become a river. The river shall become an ocean, something like that. That was a word that God gave him that guided his life. And really, his life filled the earth with the word of God. Even though he's dead, he yet speaks. But the point I'm making is that we treat Christianity as if, like we were talking about earlier, we take all the benefits that are no liabilities. That's how we treat Christianity. Take all the benefits that are no liabilities. Let me tell you, Jesus will collect your ambition. Yeah, he does that. All your life you have wanted, you've always wanted to be a pilot. You had your reasons. I don't know what your reasons are. I don't know where you are flying to. <laughs> you give your life to Christ. He said, Pilot, I have a job for you in a primary school. I know the truth. Let me tell you the truth. Forget this gospel of prosperity that makes it look like God, they check money before they decide where you send the children to. To God, whether you earn a million naira a month or 10,000 naira a month, you can't see the difference. You are the one that impresses. To him, money is not a limitation at all. That's what I said the other time. If Ali Kodan go to give his life to Christ, Jesus can tell him, give, sell all you have and give to the Nigerian government. No, just share it to all the country where you have factories. Create a board, dash it to the population, let them buy shares in it. I don't want to hold anything again. What are you going to do? You're going to start, go to, uh, uh, what do you call, Ajegule or maybe Kurudu, start a church. You won't start a day one, you first go. To, maybe you first go to Kenya for, to Bible school. No, an average Christian will have assumed that, ah, if such a person or more gives his life to Christ, the devil is in financial trouble. You don't, <laughs> as if we would destroy the devil. You don't know Jesus Christ. Just that I was ever poor, I was ever broke. My, the inability to handle the devil amongst you guys was never a financial matter. It was never a financial matter. It was never a financial matter. Jesus would just, look, you know what he does? <laughs> he will collect your ambition. You know, there's something he did to Moses. And I said, Lord, now wow, you are, you are, you are tough. He, you know, he wounded Moses. You know what I call wounding? Let me just say something. When you want to give your life to Christ, give your life to Christ and forget it. Just know you are not going anywhere again. Did you hear what I said? I, I, I know what I said though. Just give up. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Just give up. When everybody is hostile, they say, I know the hustle. Every responsibility you have for it, they do it as to please him. Not I will show that me too, I can make it. 
Anybody that has that attitude, the Bible says you will pierce yourself through with many sorrows. You know what he did to Moses? Powerful man, eloquent as a young man, skilled in all the affairs of Egypt, grew up as a prince of Egypt. God said, go and stay with the slaves for a while. After that, he said, go. after he killed that man, he didn't run away. The Lord instructed him to move. He said, by faith, Moses. It was by faith he went to the wilderness. Forty years. Now, the first five years, no, the first year, Moses said, let's, just hide. let's, let's cool down here. Oh, you know what that means? That is the he goat has moved back. He's coming to charge. That's what he was thinking. I don't move back now. I'm going to charge at Egypt. Second year. Third year. Fourth year. The Lord neither spoke to him nor explained anything. After a while, the guy became a good shepherd. And if you are keeping sheep for five years, won't you become good? Moses, somewhere along the line, he realized he had lost confidence. He couldn't speak loud again. His voice became quiet. What he said literally that I'm slow of speech. He didn't say I'm a stammerer. We are the one that said stammerer. I'm slow. My tongue is slow. I believe the man couldn't raise his voice anymore. His self-confidence had been battered. Prince of Egypt. Now shepherd. Go and read your Bible. The Bible made it clear. When the Egyptian, when Israel came with his family to Egypt. They kept them in a place. One of the reasons was what? The Egyptians despised shepherds. Moses became what? A shepherd. Forty years. But I don't know where along the line he lost it. He lost hope. I'm not doing it again. So God now said, now I'm going to send you back to where? God, let me just explain something to you. You don't understand. I, you know, I, I did a, a master's in military strategies. We don't use 80-year-old men to command armies. <laughs> Look, what are you talking about? Go back to where. Why didn't you come when I was hot? You know, when I was hot. At the age of 45, I was at my peak. My muscles were rippling that time. I'm not used to come here. I'm not sure as nigger. We used to walk out together. I was ready to take on anybody. God was looking at him. He said, good, that's why I didn't come. You were too strong. So the Lord waited until Moses was worn out, was tired. You know what they say about drowning people? You don't rescue them when they are still fighting. Those who know how to be waiting till you pass out. Once you pass out, they will go and grab you. So this is your fight. It's why two of us will die there. The Lord waited for Moses to feel really useless. They now took him and sent him back. I thought about it a few days ago. I said, Lord, sorry, just what I want to say, I'm just being flippant to the Lord. That's not good. <laughs> the Lord, that's not good. Because I know what I'm doing. My problem is not the fact that he became weak and tired. Like, why, did he, why didn't you just beat him in two years? Let him, at the end of two years, he's weak and tired. Break his leg or something. You know? Crush one hand. Just do something like that. 40 years of waiting is, you know, is not good. <laughs> Let me say it like that. It's really tiring. Let me tell you as a Christian, give up early. Don't, don't just give up from the beginning. 
Because if you give up early, God will be able to come back on time. <laughs> there are people who have ambitions, all kinds of things. Jesus will just take your life and mess it up. That you want to say, watchman me. His pride, God collected his PhD from him. I think he was doing a PhD program. He gave like, Jesus said, you're not going to finish this program. You will not finish it. You won't finish that PhD. Because if, I, if you finish it, I will not be struggling on what you will do. You know that man that came that day? He said, if I leave now. He, has, he had invested, is it eight years of his life? Seven years of his life. He had one more year to go or something. They will become a big man in their religion, in their structure. Then the Holy Spirit didn't let him rest. He said, no, you know, you can't do this. So that's why he came in there and they said, okay, if I leave now, what will I do? I said, my brother, two things. One, I don't know. Two, he will not tell you. So just get up and walk out. We prayed with him and he left. I said, if you are looking for assurance, he doesn't give it to anybody. Just follow me. That's all. That's the only assurance you have. I know the truth. I wish I could tell him. Maybe I told him that. I can't remember. But that is people. Is that your useless type that he likes? Do you get my point? The one that has left and has nothing else. Has nothing else. He likes such people. I like to tell the story of this woman once in a while, Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman said she's convinced that was why God could do what he did with her life. Because she had lost everything. Through the work of her own hands, though. It was was through her hands that she lost everything. She lost dignity. She lost her ministry. She was living with a man that Jesus said, you know, Jesus came to one woman one day. He said, let me go. He said, where's your husband? He said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, I know. You are telling the truth. But you wanted to tell him that you live alone. You don't live alone. Just that the man that you are living with now, He's not your husband. You didn't marry him. And before him, you had five men you married. That was exactly the kind of thing that Jesus did to Kandri Kuman. For six years, he lived with a man whose marriage Jesus never recognized. And every day of her life, the Holy Spirit was at the door. From when she wakes up in the morning, the Holy Spirit wakes up. You don't wake up. He's not your husband, has not yet woken up. When the man will call, honey, if you answer him, honey, he's not your honey, he's your borrowed sugar. Go and return it to your neighbor. Only. <laughs> six years. At the end of the six years, she just packed her bag and left. That this one, I'm tired. I can't live like this. She just packed her bag and left. The man said, if you leave, I'll never speak with you again. Said, don't worry about it, I'm going. Where are you going? She, you know, she had nowhere. She just brought a train ticket. Wherever the train stops, I will come down there. Then she became the Catherine Kuhlman that you and I are talking about today. So please, it's risky to follow Jesus Christ. I'd like us to know it. If you, have, if, you, if you are a very good planner, let me just warn you ahead. The first assignment he has in your life is to frustrate your plans. If you are very good, you know, I've seen before that, look, I'm very good, I'm diligent with this, if I give it, good. If you are like that, Jesus is waiting for you outside. <laughs> and he likes to be like you. You just send two, you know, angels come in different types. If you get to heaven, there's one called goodness, there's one called mercy. That's why they can follow people, you understand? 
Uh-huh. There's one called Gabriel, who delivers good messages. There's one called Michael, he kills people. You know that? <laughs> According to my wife's boss that time, she has one or guy like that. That um, No, no. Okay, that one said that God should send serious, wicked, strong, drunk angels to come and protect us. He came to our house one day, he was praying. So when he was leaving, it was time to pray. So he's, the kind of prayer he prayed, I said, ha, this is your guy, now wow. But there was one man of God, his apostle's friend. That one said that his security angels, they smoke. <laughs> he said his own angels, they are Igbo smokers. That he doesn't have all these nice, nice angels. Hail Mary, full of grace. What kind of thing? That when his angels wake up in the morning, they drag on wee wee. <laughs> so that if you think you are a witch, you come near his house. <laughs> you are dealing with angels that are high. <laughs> Some of those Igbo smoking angels, you know their job, frustrate smart Christians. That's their job. And they like it. Jesus would say, that my guy is very smart. Ah, they say, he's smart? Say, Lord, ah, let's, let's wound him small. He will have one beautiful scheme. Plan it. Do everything. As they finish investing the $2.5 million that he raised in equity, coronavirus will strike. Bah! His business was dependent upon tourism. Planes moving up and down. One nation after another. Lockdown. Do you know? I like coronavirus. Do you know why? America, sorry, Nigeria put an embargo on flights from America. I didn't know it was possible. You know, there are things you didn't know you see in a lifetime. <laughs> President Buhari said, planes from the following countries cannot land in Nigeria. United States of America. I said, what? No condition is permanent. <laughs> That there is no condition that is permanent. That kind of person, when he finishes planning, he sit down. Ah, you think it's a joke. First week. I know um, Henry Ford hated bankers. You know bankers, coronavirus or no coronavirus, they are calculating their interest on a monthly basis. Very wicked souls. Can't you see the virus? No. So a lot of that $2.5 million is bank money. You try and write the bank that, listen, well, we cannot meet up with our obligation because, okay, return the money. How will I return the money? It's not the investment. <laughs> oh, God. Henry Ford, eh? he believed that the devil is a banker. Henry Ford. <laughs> no, go and read the story. Henry Ford believed that the devil is a banker and all bankers are devils. So he didn't used to borrow money from them. He said, like, like he said those people, that they will give you an umbrella when it's not raining. That when rain starts, bam, they demand it back. He said, is it not because of rain you gave me an umbrella in the first place? So you know what he did? He never, if he needed money, he would find another way to get it. Now, I'm not saying they are bad. I'm telling the story of who? Henry Ford. And how the angels of frustration can use it to frustrate a man. After, after four months of lockdown, the bank will write him, return our money. He said, I don't have. You now declare bankruptcy. And according to Mr. Wonderful in Shark Tank, he becomes toxic. If you ever declare personal bankruptcy, say you are toxic. No bank will touch you after that. The angels say, man, that guy's job was a nice one. <laughs> they frustrated him. Frustrated him very well. He will start another venture. Still to collect his money. After he had done like three, four businesses, 
And I sit at home. People will wake up in the morning. He wake up in the morning. His friends will come and say, "But what is happening? They are nothing. Where are you going? I'm going to church. What are you going to do in church? I want to go and pray. After six months, no new schemes from him. The angels will go back to the Lord and say, this guy is not skipping again. He said, good. He has reached that point. He said, now, we are going to lift him up. No, I doesn't mean I'm going to call him to ministry. No, 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 no. He's going to go back to doing business. Don't worry about it. Then one day he'll be at home. Just think, he said, get one new job. When they do, just say, make small money. Then someone will just call him. Hello, am I the one person? He said, yes. Please, I would like to speak with you. My name is, I'm representing this one and so people. My name is so and so. You'll get there. So, well, somebody gave us your name. He said, you used to do this, used to do this. Um, we have this new business we are starting. We want you to come and head it. Heading it, we'll get this salary and 10% of the equity and all of that. And he's looking. When he looks at the business that's been set up, he, he changes his middle name to Nebuchadnezzar. Do you get my point? Why? Because after Nebuchadnezzar recovered, Babylon had become greater. And Babylon was delivered to him by his princes. So he said, ah, so it's God that rules. So he sees a business far better than the one that he had been planning, had been set in place. And somebody says to him, come and run it. For that, we'll pay you this huge amount of money and you have 10% of the equity. The guy looks at it. Three years later, he's, he's exceedingly successful in the business world. So you ask him, oh boy, how did you plan it? He said, bro, if you talk plan here, I wound you. If you talk plan. <laughs> he will say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not saying we're not using the skill of God. Of course, we're running this thing efficiently. But we have realized that hey, it is God. Oh. He rules in the affairs of man. Oh, and he sets upon the kingdoms of men, whomsoever he wishes. It's God that set me here. He does that to people. There are many people that they train themselves, plan to be this. God say, come, you are going to be a missionary. There are those who say they are going to be missionaries. God said, no, you are not going to be a missionary. Go on the story of Arjil Lotono. Arjil Lotono, he had made up his mind he was going to be a missionary because he wanted to serve God. So a minister came to their town and he went to go and meet the minister. That one listened to him, listened to him. Okay, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Next time he came back to see the man, the man just gave him a prophetic word. He said, God needs businessmen as much as he needs missionaries. Arjil Lotono returned to doing business this time around as a missionary. Are you getting my point? He saw business as his mission. And God strongly supported him. If you read his story, you can read that book, um, Mover of Men and Mountains. God strongly supported him. He, he had made up his mind he was going to China. And God said, no, you aren't going to China. You are going to settle down here. Second World War. I think his company built about, well, now, I don't want to give you wrong figures, but what I have in my mind is half of the tanks that America used, he built. How do you to know? One day one of my friends was driving somewhere, I think in Houston. He stopped and photographed the place and sent it to me. He said, hey, your friend's university. I just saw it. R.G. Lutono University. I said, no, just Lutono University. He said, hey, Banke, your friend's university. I said, wow, I didn't even know he had a school. That's a man who had made up his mind he was going to be what? A missionary. 
Now let me get back again to the beginning. What I was saying. So Jesus, when you give your life to him, he will reveal his plan in you. He doesn't come to baptize your plan. It's not you carry your, your, your plan to church. And Jesus will now spray holy water on it. Your plan has been sanctified. What does Jesus do when you come with your plan? You take it like a tear. Say, what did you say you wanted? I came with a plan. And you drew it already? Say, sorry, I don't take such plans. We now give you back a sheet of paper. You, as you open each page, you see a new set of his plan. If you open it too fast, it will be blank. But you open one, you, f- you finish that one, you say, good, open the next page, you open it, you see, if you open the third one, it will be blank. But leave it. You take it step by step. Once you finish this one, you open the next one, it will be occupied. You see the plan, you walk by it again. If you open it too much in a hurry, it will be confusing. You don't come with your plan for him to sanctify them. No. You sanctify yourself. You lay yourself on his altar. He kills the old life. Then he begins to reveal the new one. That's what he does. That's what Paul said. He said, when he pleased God who knew me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me. That's what God does. The plan he had from the beginning, he now starts, because you don't know it. The old man does not always connect with the plan of God because what happens is that the old man is born of flesh. So what happens is that when you talk about flesh, decisions are made in the environment based on what pleases the parents or the young man, young man grows up, what pleases him or her. When they say that, ah, um, who got paid 249 million naira for one night jam? Was that Davido or Whiskey? You sure it's Davido? Okay. So young, young boys are now in studio singing all kinds of things. Hey, oh girl, you will marry me. You know, you hear that? You hear those kind of stupid songs sometimes. You know, there's one radio station that plays all local boys' songs. Sometimes you hear stupid, stupid, stupid songs. No imagination. There's one I saw, I heard one day. I just switched it off. Later on, they now told me the name of the guy. When you sing, you know, I just, you know, I, I just put on my radio. I was driving. I just heard, Patin look the sweet. If guess no day. I said, you did, Chris. I just quenched the thing. <laughs> no imagination. No, no, you know. I, I, I hear there's something on radio. I say. You should know you are not called. You know, <laughs> this is where somebody will sing. Just like this guy. Even the devil hasn't called you. <laughs> there was a joke my class was cracking that day. They showed one girl that um, one, one young woman took a ring in public and knelt down, offered it to her boyfriend, and the guy said. Oh, you know, so one lady in my class said, "Oh, this is so nice." I know pastor will say it's antichrist. Me being the pastor, so when I saw it later, I went. I, a lot of videos I don't download because people always share videos. So when my name was mentioned, that I know pastor will say it's antichrist. So I went back up, and I read the video. I saw it. I said, "Please, my sister, who will wear that ring? Engage Mary. Who's going to wear it? A girl give you engage Mary. You collect where? Your head is it working?" But that's not my gist. My gist was now, I said, okay, excuse me. I said, he said, Antichrist. I said, no, no, no. Antichrist has more sense than this. 
If Antichrist tries this, nobody will follow him. That, that was a joke in it. I said, no, no, forget. This is not Antichrist. This is stupidity. Leave that. In. So I said, okay, who, who will wear the ring now? When Nauma offer you an engagement ring, what would you look like? One ring with a stone on a man's hand. And you wonder why, 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 why there's coronavirus. The Lord is good. When you hear some of those people, I said, no, even Satan didn't call you. It's m- m- okay, okay, mammon called those people. Just them singing, singing. Why? They want to hammer. They want to blow. If that one doesn't work, anything that's making money, they start internet fraud. Anything that to make money. That's why the natural man does not connect easily with the plan of God. Too many things in the society dragging for his attention. So uh, there are people who entered ministry because their father expected it of them. There are those that is their family's pride. I'm a reverend father. So the whole extended family say, we have a reverend father. So they won't let the man have peace of mind. He must finish that reverend fatherhood. So the guy will enroll in a seminary. But they jump fence for night because this celibacy thing, he doesn't understand it at all. There are people like that. I'm here because of my family. Celibacy is not, it's not, some, he even has two children by two different women. Nobody knows. Bishop does not know. Pope does not know. No matter what you want to say, listen, it's my father that wants a reverend father. Me. Why, why was he not a reverend father? He married his wife and now wants to turn me to a reverend father. All kinds of things move the natural man. Are you getting my point? All kinds of things. That is why when Jesus takes hold of many people's lives, he turns it upside down. That's why. He just turns it upside down. Say, no, 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 no. That plan you have is not mine. It's not mine at all. And he does it different ways. But what I'm teaching is that all of us should know that when we give our lives to Christ, it is, our, it is giving our lives to Christ. It is not negotiation. It's not negotiation. He will do with your life as he likes. Get that one clear. If you don't like it, don't give your life to him. It's not by force. And he does not like partial giving. It's either you are hot or cold. This halfway giving, he doesn't want it at all. That if you are cold, I know you are not my own. We don't, that is, I prefer you like that. Let me know where you stand. But when we give our lives to Christ, listen to me, truly he makes us righteous. As a matter of fact, you become special before him. And that's not a joke. Every true believer in Christ Jesus is literally a child of God. And God treats you specially as his own child. Let me say that again. Every true believer in Christ Jesus is literally a child of God. And he treats you specially like his child. Look, let's get it clear. God helping me, I'll do my best to love every young person around. I hope I get my point. But there's a way I treat my children, which is different. Remember one day my phone rang. A lot of times if I don't know who's calling, I'm busy, I may not attend to the phone. 
But that day, something made me just say, look, what if it's important? I picked it. Hey, it was my son. Victory. He borrowed one one uncle in their school, the phone to call me. He said, Daddy, I'm still in school. His mother forgot he was still in school. I did not know he was in school. Not like I forgot. Are you getting my point? So he just decided to call me. If you know where I was, I was in Ituku that day. I was just getting to Four Corner. And the school is just around the Otibua Junction there. The way I raced. Do you get my point? The way I raced, I was racing. Racing because it was already very late. I just, just wait for me there. I didn't even make it. I just, wait for me there. Now, that, I just remember that story now. Simply because, I, I wanted to use to explain what the Bible says that you literally are the apple of God's eyes. Now, I've forgotten the, there's one scripture, one Hebrew word I'm trying to remember. That, um, when he said God watches over us as the apple of his eyes, you know. I'm trying to remember a particular scripture. But one man analyzed it that that word actually means the, the, what they call it? What they call it? Eyelid. Yes. And that you know the way, before anything touches your eyes, the eyelid snaps. Tam! It's so fast. It's incredibly fast. It's incredibly fast. You didn't see it coming. As you're feeling it near your eye, in that short instant, the signal has gone that return. Pam! So that's how God watches over his own. You Listen to me. When you are a child of God, you literally are a child of God. He literally treats you like that. One man analyzed something for me. I was, I, mean, I was reading, I got in mail. All these people that do Hebrew, Hebrew things. Something led to it. I, I get the guy's mails, you know. Always trying to explain Hebrew. He said something. I've read a number of, that's the only one that's really struck me till now. He said, God said to Abraham, he that blesses you, I will bless. Now, English says, English Bible says, he that curses you, I will do what? I will curse. No, he said that's not what the Hebrew says. He gave the Hebrew when I explained it. That the Hebrew says, if he that blesses you, I will bless. He said, but he that lightly esteems you, I will destroy. He that disrespects you, I will destroy. That that word for curse, there is not two equal words. Like, he curse you, I will curse him back. He said, no, 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 no. If the guy treats you lightly, I will eradicate him. He gave the Hebrew word. He explained it. I said, ah. That, in the little area where me and I convex, you know, say me, I would acquire that kind of area. I said, but that promise was to who now? It was to Abraham and his seed. And that seed is whom? Christ. It is best, the person that is in Christ that that promise is all. If you really are in Christ, let, you know, I told you when I first came to Enugu, when, when I said I was coming to Enugu, people, natural men, they tried to give me advice. They said that you know Nigeria, you know Nigeria. You know tribal issues, tribe, tribe. You have to stay amongst your people. Let me just tell you something. There are statements you listen to and God will be angry with you. Because when you say stay amongst your people, God will now say, Banky, sorry, can we discuss? I'll say, yes, Lord. Can I know who the, your people are? Deji of Akure? Or Lawa of Owa? Are those your people? Or Ni of Ife? Oba of Lagos. Those are your people, Abi. Listen, there are things you will do, and God will be so angry with you, he will have you kidnapped. 
He's just angry. Say, go and put this boy's head cool down somewhere. So people said that to me then. I said to them, simply, Joseph was not an Egyptian. That was my moving word. That the Bible says he surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. Anywhere I go, the favor of God goes with me. So you, you, you know people are discussing, I don't get it. And I can also remind them that this my people, my people you are talking about. I had an elder brother. He served in Enugu here. 1988. Okay? He lived with my dad's friend. You know? That was a senior civil servant. Um, and now I know him. I've been working in the federal secretariat. It wasn't the federal government. So, all right? He's, one, he's my dad's friend from the same hometown. Do you know what happened to the man? They killed him in that town. He was killed. They, they will have this chief tenancy tussle. We don't even know what really happened. I heard another part of the story later. They surrounded his house and burnt him and his wife inside it. And two of his children only escaped because the girl was going back to school. So the brother was told by the father, go and drop your sister at the taxi park. That was how they escaped being killed. They were going to they killed their guard. The Jesus that the man had this Odeshi uh, thing that, uh, so they said, okay, she bullets won't kill you. There's no problem. They sealed up the whole place, set everything on fire. I told everybody that wanted to talk to me that story. He was in his own hometown, in a house he built, where his ancestors lived. I said, please leave me alone. Don't make, don't, don't, don't remove me from the cover of the the Almighty. Please allow me to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Because once I start finding my security amongst my so-called people, God will say, better wait for Amotekun to, to protect you because, yeah. <laughs> he said, your protection is in the hand of Amotekun, not my angels. Oh, that's a matter of fact. So, me, I just got up, JJ, I said, where am I going? Why am I telling you this story? Okay, I remember why I brought up the issue. So, when I now came to town, things will happen once in a while. Somebody will tell me it's tribalism. I work in the university, you know. There have been issues like that. People say, this one is tribalism. The one I'm thinking about now, it had to do with headship and stuff like that. They say, no, Banky, they are discriminating against you. Now, the person telling me is from an Ambra State, too. It's an able man telling me that I'm, dis- I'm being discriminated against because I'm not from here. And I laughed at him. I said, my brother, and listen to me, I wasn't trying to be nice. I wasn't trying to be a man of faith, you know. I, I don't believe that kind of thing. You know? No, I was being matter of fact about it. I said, it's not true. I said, it's not true. I know what I'm telling you. I said, don't tell me because I don't believe it. And I wasn't joking. What he didn't know, I was saying in my mind that you don't know who sent me here or how he protects me. The vice chancellor that we tried won't leave a week after. And I'm not joking about it. I knew what I was saying. I wasn't kidding. I said, no, Lord, I refuse to accept that because I know I will be invoking the judgmental, the judgmental hand of God. And I know how terrible it is. I don't even want him to do it. Over what? 
It's not as if it's a paid, you have a special pay they give you. Nothing. Just work for your life. Every time they're changing heads, you can ask my wife, we'll be believing God that they will not make me the head. Because I know the amount of work I am going to have to do for nothing. So people, people, I said, but when I answered those days, I wasn't trying to be nice. Like, I'm not an angry person. I'm not suspicious. No, 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 no. I know what I'm saying. This man, when I realized that Hebrew for me, I even understood it better. That he that disrespects you, I will destroy. Not he that tries to destroy you. He that lightly esteems you. And I don't joke about it. So you can do it. I don't believe in tribalism. You know, it has never crossed my mind. I go where I want to go. I do what I want to do. I joke with who I want to joke with. If you open your mouth in Nigeria of today and try that tribal card with me and I look at you funny, if I turn my eye to look at you, Omo, you are destroyed. And I'm not joking about it. You just pray that I don't get angry. Because that's one of the things, as Christians, eh, you have to calm down your anger. Because if you erupt in anger, there's a reason why he said, kiss his son, lest he be angry. Just don't provoke him to anger. So that's the only people were saying, it. I said, you know, and, I, and listen to me, I wasn't joking. I meant it all. I said, most you people turn everything to a tribal story. Today, one of my classmates said something. See the way we, are, we yapped him. He said, listen, Okunjewala lost that. You know, she was going for one position, and she lost. Of course, you know, some people like to insult government. He said, you see, this is a failure of Nigerian diplomacy, a failure of foreign, foreign, foreign affairs policy. He, talk, talk, talk. Somebody said that. Did you check the other person's CV? He said she was qualified. So the other person was not qualified. So once you're in Nigeria, now you must get it by force by force. Is that decision or not there? Sitting on his throne? Must Nigeria occupy every position? Even America wanted to shift against addition. Everybody stood. The whole of Africa stood behind him. Wah! So I told that guy, I said, listen, what's your problem? Why must everything be for you, we and them? The way that everybody attacks him. Eh? Say, listen, my friend, the best person has won. Let's let the person walk. That's the way I see things. Why can't you just be simple about them of some of these things? But the point I'm making is that for me, I, I couldn't, I, till now, many of you, you, you've related with me for long enough. You know, I don't even think of those. I don't think, I, I, don't, I don't think of them. When I see people who think of them, the way I look at them with pity. Huh? I say, oh my show. Where, where are you going to go in this, your life? You've never traveled to say they don't like me somewhere. A place you have never been to. One of our brothers, that's how he lost his job. He lost the opportunity to get unemployment that time. He said, <laughs> he said, why didn't you apply in the hospital where he trained? This was in Benin. He told himself, I don't know anybody. So he traveled to a place where he knew everybody. He knew the most powerful people. 
another part of Nigeria. Not his own tribal area, no, just another part of Nigeria. So that one, I know people inside it. You know what happened to him? I've told the story before, if you remember. The place he refused to, employ, to apply because he didn't know anybody. They wanted, maybe as an example, they wanted 60 people. Only 45, 45 applied. So you know what they did? They employed everybody. But he did not apply because he did not know anybody. He says, God is nobody. You know what I'm saying? So he did not know anybody. You know God, you don't know anybody. So that was it. Didn't get the job. The other place he now went to, you know what happened to him? Those ones placed embargo on employment. So the person he even knew couldn't help him. That right now, please, oh, ah, my brother, don't worry. As soon as you open employment, you'll be number one. But you know what happened? He couldn't wait that long. So when, it, when the Lord showed him that, he learned his lesson. So next place he saw an advert open, he quickly applied and they employed him. Even though he knew nobody. Listen. God watches over his children like what? The apple of his eyes. When you truly give your life to Christ, I want to say to you, you indeed are a child of God. It's not a cliche. It's not just a church talk. Not just church talk. You literally are a child of God. He watches over you. He, he does. He does. He watches over you. What is happening with you now? What's happening with you? And let, let me tell you something. When you want to pray, stop this engineering prayer. What I mean by engineering? As, you, as if you put something inside a machine. Just wind it. I want to pray. Hey, pray. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pray. Yeah, God, I'm praying to you right now. <laughs> oh, you no, know, God will look at you and say, are you all right? My friend, will you sit down there? You know, this kind of, uh, let's begin to pray. Who, 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 who? You, you know, you have this attitude of, uh, you, have to, uh, see, see, you have to be seen to be harassing somebody. Let me teach you something about prayer, please. Just talk to the Father. Sometimes, it's good to stand. I like it in my house. When we are praying in the morning, I always tell everybody that, we sit down to have our study, but I now want to pray with you. Change posture. You could stand or you could sit. That is, sorry, or kneel. All right? So, no hard and fast rule. But what I want to just say is that there are times you just take a chair, say, Lord, I want to talk to you. And you sit down the way you talk to your father. And just talk to him simply. Give him all the facts. Don't hide anything. Do you know why? He can see it already. He just needs it to come from your mouth. Both as a confession and as a request. He, just, he can see it, so don't hide it. Even if it's a fault, confess it to him. Lord, I've not been feeling happy for two days. So I, I, I'm ashamed to say it, but I just need to say it in your presence. Why? You know, it looks like all my mates have left me behind. I, I know I don't have mates. I know, I know, Lord, I know. I just, because I'm always thinking it, so I need to think it in your presence so you can remove it from my heart. You know it's wrong, but you are, that your wrong thought, but you're not having the wrong thoughts. So just confess it to him. The story I like to tell, which illustrates that perfectly, is the one that somebody told my wife. A woman gave some, a man money to do a job. Like, you know this, like an artisan. Anyway, physical labor, anyway. Do this job for me. Day in, day out, the man, the, the man he, didn't co- he collected the money, worked the money, do the job now. They didn't do. 
Maybe because the, the, woman is a, the woman is a widow, right? Yes. Some men are very terrible. When they know the woman has no defense, you know, you now want to take advantage. Let me just quickly warn you ahead of time. If you are like that, if you are supposed to live to be 90 years old, it has been cut to 72. On one job you did. The next one, your age will be 60 at death. If you do a third one, you will die the year before you did it. God will kill you in areas. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> that is, as you are finishing the thing, they will backdate your death. <laughs> no, God, just by the way, the Lord doesn't like that too. Never take advantage of anybody purely because you think the person has no defense. God will arise and be the fellow's defender. Anyway, this woman said, she gave me my wife the gist. So one night, she got, she got tired of chasing this man up and down. So she woke up at night and said, I want to pray. She took one fat chair in her house and put it in one corner. And said, Lord, can you sit over here? Then she stood on one side and called that man. Said, you stand here. The man was not there. So there was a big chair where the Lord was seated. And she stood on one side. And told that man to stay on that side. And said, Lord, let's assume the man's name is uh, uh, Donald Trump. All right? So. <laughs> I just want to pick a name that nobody will be angry with now. He said, Lord, I gave Mr. Donald money to help me do this job the other time. It's been two months now. He hasn't done my job. Whatever time. Please, I want you to just avenge me of my adversaries. She finished her talk and told the man, please get out of here. We are done. And she went to sleep and woke up next morning to go to work. Around past seven or eight, she saw the man had almost finished the job. This prayer was 12 midnight. By past seven in the morning, the man had almost finished. Ah, I don't know whether I get to my point. You are not done yesterday. Early morning, you have almost finished. So as she approached, the man said, please don't come near. You woman, you're a witch. <laughs> because what happened? It literally happened. The Lord dispersed angels. They woke him up, threatened him. I don't know whether he heard voices or he didn't see anybody. But he felt the presence warning him that you do that job tomorrow, you are dead. So he woke up and started work by 4.35. <laughs> so by the time Igwe Madu was waking up, but both... <laughs> But Bob was finishing his work. Listen, this is how our God is alive. He's alive. He's alive. Listen, my message is that just know that he truly loves you like that. Just think of your own child. How you would think, no, think of that. That's how he's thinking of you. When you want to assess your life, just assess it like that. Lord, what is the problem? I know you love me. I know you are thinking of me. Let's solve whatever the matter is. Because many times he said, look, I've been trying to help you. You know what Ken Higgins said the Lord told him was he had a vision. That was a prophet I told you. And he had a vision of the Lord. And the Lord told him something. He said, I, think, I don't remember what he said. The Lord wept about the matter. What happened was that he had a vision. So he said, the Lord, I want to ask you something. The Lord said, okay, go ahead. He said, I've always had this feeling that my wife is not going to live long. That ever since we married, something in me just keeps telling me, this girl will not live long. 
this young woman will not live long. And he said that that thing actually used to follow him up and down. That he was, he was a prophet. That sometimes he doesn't like to operate spiritual things. Because when he starts operating you know, spiritual manifestations, he goes into the realm of the spirit. So he sees spiritual things clearer. At that point, it becomes clearer to him that his wife is going to die. So he withdraws. So that they just said, Lord, please, I need to talk to you about it. I have this feeling. It keeps coming up and down. And they're coming up to me that my wife is going to die early. And the Lord said to him, it is true. I don't know whether he gave him, she gave him, the, he gave him the age. But yes, that is part of her, whatever. That she's going to die early. Ah. He said, no. No, 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 Lord, please now. It was just a simple you know, discussion. He said, Lord, please. I don't, have, I don't want her to die. He said, one, I like her. That's how he said it to. He said, Lord, I like her very much. I love this woman. I will miss her terribly if she dies. He was young that he was in his 30s. Yes, he was a young man. And that, again, she's my partner in ministry. And if you know the way it is, he said, I've trained her to work with me in ministry. If you make me remarry again, I go back to square one again. Look, I, he has two children. The children are going to miss their mother. So he said, please, Lord, I don't want her to die. And the Lord just said to him, done, she will not die. For your information, by that time, she had developed a goiter that was choking her. And she was afraid to go for treatment. He had prayed all kinds of prayers. The goiter wouldn't go away. Go to hospital now. The woman says she's not going to go because if doctors operate, she will not wake up from surgery. And she was always saying things like, uh, okay, take care of my children. You know, stuff like that. Okay, you know, uh, Ken has this problem. Please, you need to help him with this. Uh, Pat has this issue. You know, this story again and again. And many times you have to wake her up like she's choking. You understand? Like, why are you talking nonsense? She will apologize. So after that, no, that period, I think, I think around that time or shortly after, the Lord just told her, look, tell your wife to go and be operated upon, she will not die. So they went, God answers prayers different ways. The man was healed from an, that a bed of incurable sicknesses. I put plural there deliberately. He, he, that was not how God solved his wife's matter. The woman had to go to hospital, the doctors put her to sleep, cut open the neck, removed the goiter, and that's how she was cured. Now, why am I telling this story? He said at the end of that day, when the Lord said, no problem, she will leave. He said, the Lord started, started shedding tears. That she will leave just because you asked me. No other reason. I didn't change my plan, nothing. It's just because you say you want her to leave. And why was he shedding tears? He said, how I, he said, there are so many things I want to do for my children, but they don't ask. All they do is complain in what they call prayer. They don't ask. All they do is whine and complain. That's what I tell people. When I'm praying with my wife a lot of times, she's half, she finds it hard to differentiate whether I'm talking to her or talk, because I'll be talking. There are three of us. So I said, let me explain something I'm trying to explain. You know? This is what I'm telling the Lord. You know, I will explain. Then I'll continue the prayer. God delivered me very early from gyration, thank you. Doing like, say, God is a machine and you are a counter machine. 
You are looking for who who outmachine each other. That's why I tell Christians, let me just drop it. You know, it's my pet project. Forget all this sort of uh, let me give to God so he can give back to me. It's very annoying to him. Very annoying. It's annoying. The Lord finds it annoying. I don't care whether it works. If it works, it then is witchcraft. We are walking through the angle of God the judge, not God the Father. If it works. It doesn't work anyway. Forget that. You're a Christian, it does not work. God has capped you. Capped you into one corner. You can only ask in Jesus' name. If you ask in the power of your good works, it begets judgment. And that's not joking. I'm not joking. If you have any confidence before God, apart from what you are in Christ Jesus, it begets a negative spiritual force acting towards you. It's called a curse. You want to serve God? Serve God because you love God. Serve God because you have understanding of your responsibility. I'm not preaching because of anything more than the fact that if I want to start preaching, it was ventilation. You want to call it ventilation? Because mom get to breathe. I was just preaching for that reason. I didn't care whether you understood me or not. Just let me preach. I wasn't trying to sow a seat for anybody. Because the word of God was like fire in my bones. It, no, literally, it was like fire. I just want, I told you I used to sit down and just be preaching to nobody. I remember I would lie on the floor and face the wall and tell the wall, open to Romans chapter 8. I'm not kidding. When, when the wall, after I've, I've, I will explain and explain, I'm alone in the house. My apartment in lieu that time, I'm alone. I'll be explaining to, Rome, to the wall, Romans chapter 8. Explain for, to, for him to understand what Paul was saying. Now this is what Genesis meant. When I will explain and explain. When I've finished explaining, I will now get up and take a stroll and build preaching to darkness. I, I, I select dark areas where there's no street light before people realize I'm really mad. Are you getting my point? So, I just used to do it. So, when I'm doing things to please, that is, I try to get something out of God. If I want to get anything from the Lord, I ask him simply. And I explain the reasons why. There are times like my wife and I will be talking. You don't need this. I said, my wife, I never told you I needed it. I told you I just want to flinch. And I tell the Lord like that sometimes. As per need. I said, Lord, you know, this is not a matter of need. It's not need. It's just flinching matter. Like one brother said, Lord, ah, this Christmas, buy me new cloth now. That's what he told the Lord. He said, Lord, please now, dress me up for this Christmas. That's what he said. He said, Lord, please dress me up. And the Lord just told him, look, go and meet this man. Tell him to sell, him, sell you his car. It was my car at that time. My wife's car, actually. So I told my wife, pack this car. So one day she was going on the road. An angel took, um, I believe in angels, you understand? They took a hammer and hammered the tire. So the, the, <laughs> she suddenly called me. Say, I don't know, the car is making crew, crew. You know this kind of, you move like this. Yeah, I said, just turn, just come home. Come and pack the car. Don't ask me what happened. All the boats fell out minus two. So I told her, did I not tell you to stop driving this car? Pack it here. You know, when the Lord is moving, you don't know. I said, just pack it. You have a new car, it is coming. I don't know where it will arrive. Meanwhile, use this one. Two days after, was it a day or so, after she, that encounter, the brother walked into my house. 
If I was going out with that day, I was in a hurry. So I wanted to talk to her. I said, please, I'm in a hurry. So we'll talk later. So she talked to my wife. When I came back, my wife told me that. He said he wanted to buy that car. I said, tell him to come and collect it. Any amount he has. I, I, I like telling that testimony because of the way he prayed the prayer. He said, Lord, he said, Lord, dress me up for this Christmas. There was nothing like, hey, in the name. According to the power of the seed, I begin to receive right now. Nonsense. Listen to me. God loves his children. He loves his children. He just wants us to approach unto him with what? Faith. Simple faith. Just know that once you have truly given your life to Christ, you are a child of God. Let me talk about righteousness again. What is righteousness? Righteousness means God says, you are mine. It is a stamp of approval. Righteousness means that God says that this person is okay as far as I am concerned. Righteousness means that God has looked at you and said you are acceptable to me. Righteousness is not the same thing as perfection. That is a mistake a lot of people make. They think righteousness is the same thing as being perfect. It's not. My plan today was to talk about walking towards perfection. But as you can see, we have not even, we have never read this Romans chapter 8 that we say we should read, okay? Are you laughing at me? Don't worry. They will laugh at you too. When the Lord is moving upon you and you'll be prospering in the laughter, amen? Laughter is not a bad thing. I hope you know laughter is the meaning of Isaac. Yes. When God, when God causes you to laugh, it's not a joke. It is it's deep, exhilarating, you know, excitement. You understand? Now, so like I was saying, so righteousness is God saying to you that you are my person. Righteousness means you are acceptable. So you see, in the house, the children that are in a home, you know, they can enter their parents' bedroom. Are you getting my point? It's righteousness. You know, like my, my children then, when, when they're smaller, they will carry my phone. You know, they will be trying to rub my finger on the security so that it will unlock so they can start playing games. They feel free to do it. I joke with my wife. I said, when she said, where's my tab? I said, ask the other owners. The joint owners, the co-heads, <laughs> joint heads with you of your tab. You see, it doesn't mean they are perfect, but they are accepted, the Bible says, in the beloved. That's righteousness. Now, when God wants to declare somebody righteous, he doesn't, he doesn't ask for too many things. Actually, in your life, each time, there's one critical faith he asks for. Like Abraham. He said to Abraham, come, follow me, I'll bless you. And Abraham believed God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Offer your son. And Abraham believed God. God says to him, your um, Eliezer of Damascus will not be your hair. Ishmael will not be your hair. One bone of your bowels by Sarah will be your hair. The Bible says, and Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for what? Righteousness. 
They did not remember that he denied his wife some time ago. I hope you're getting my point. What made him righteous was faith. And so Paul took time out in Romans chapter 4 to explain to us that if we are going to tap into the blessing of Abraham, it will also be by faith. That is why, please forget that gist, that God has a special people somewhere. The promise was to what? Abraham and his seed. And not his seeds as of many, but seed as of one. And that seed is whom? Christ. So the blessing of Abraham is for those who are in Christ. The righteousness of God, Abraham's uh, said it like this, is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall acquire life by faith. So what is the saving faith? What is the justifying faith that we have as believers? It's our faith in the person, the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Listen, whenever you want to think in life, whenever you want to make decisions in life, don't ever forget that thing. Because what happens, which is one of the things I'm trying to explain, I just I couldn't get there today. What happens is that many of the times in our lives, we, 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 we wrongly, we neglect to recognize being in Christ. And when we neglect to recognize being in Christ, even though we are in Christ, the power of Christ is crippled on our behalf. It can't work for us. Like I said earlier, when somebody says, stay amongst your people, if I had listened to that counsel, oh God, I wanted to hear this. Don't, you're not dealing with a God that's a joker. As much as he loves you, he's a serious person. If I had listened to that counsel, I'm convinced of one thing. You won't know me today. More importantly, by now, the years of my life will be winding down. No joking about it. Because you must understand that God's calling is always tied to geography. It's calling. Yes, always. It's not everywhere. First, Paul was from his mother's womb called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Number two, it was not even every Gentile city he was allowed to go to. He wants to go to a city, Holy Spirit will say no. He wants to go to another city, Holy Spirit will say no. Then he will sleep and you will see a man say, come over to Macedonia and come and help us. They will tell you that if I get to a city, I see a church established, I don't waste my time. You know he said that? I go to another place where they've not heard the gospel. There I will labor. That's why I tell those of our brethren that are planting branches. Stop wasting your energy planting everywhere. It's not everywhere you belong. There are places God says it's been taken. I didn't call you for this one. Cooperate with somebody else. Give them money. I just feel like repeating this so as to help many ministers, many churches. You are planting branches all over Nigeria. As if you are the only one, like one man said, the bishop of the whole world. So came with his uncle. I, I don't take it back. I just laugh. Say me, I'm the bishop of Mars and Jupiter. In a title, it's not Jesus' title, so Jesus no go quarrel. These are titles you avoid. King of kings, lord of lords, high priest. Do you understand? Avoid those ones. Avoid those ones. The first apostle. Avoid those ones. 
You can be any apostle. You can be 17th apostle. doesn't care. You'll be arguing with Peter and James and Andrew, who's apostle. It's not everywhere you need a branch. <laughs> My brethren will post, will post a Lagos boy to go and be bishop in Meduguri. When he heat and flies, dust the guy for head. The guy will hear God call him. I was sleeping at night and the Lord said, my son, move to Portacot. Yeah, why won't the Lord say go to Portacot? You can't solve God didn't give you the grace for it. Like I tell my brother, don't worry. Go to that Meduguri, go there. Ask those who are there what they need. So into their lives and go. If God didn't call you there, you don't have to have a branch everywhere. We, are, we have one Lord. The same master, the same gospel, the same Holy Spirit. Mm. That just by the way. My main message. I am convinced that if I had listened to that counsel, that we won't know each other today is not a joke. That's, that's even easy to, easy, easy to understand. But because Kenneth said something. I learned a lot from his prophetic words. He said because he was not prophesying, he used to shy away from the things of the Spirit. Partly because people didn't understand it. And the Lord said to him one day, if you had not had that accident so that we can have this conversation, you would not have lived beyond the age of 55. He was 30-something that time. He said, if you had continued the way you were going, let me use my own words now, I would have been forced to retire you at the age of 55. Because by that time, I would have concluded that you're no longer useful to me. This is what I'm making. So, the accounts you believe, they throw you outside Christ in experience. Even though you are supposed to be in him. Your experience will be that of somebody who is outside. Why? Because, like I gave us an example, they say, be amongst your people. So, you stay amongst your people, and God says, you have denied your real people, and you have taken the people of the flesh. So, the Amorites and the Hittites are now your people. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, otherwise, every one of the believers in Christ Jesus, they are accepted in him. He loves them. He loves you. He watches over you like the apple of his eyes. His angels that surrounded Elisha and his servant on that mountain, they did not retire because Elisha died. I hope you're getting my point. They still surround the people of God till today. He watches over you as the apple of his eyes. Listen, what you need to do as a believer, later on if God allows us, the thing came to my mind again. Let's go back to teaching about faith. How to walk in faith. How to walk in faith. Let's take the book of Hebrews and just go through it. The heroes of the faith. Let's see how people walked in faith. Because the problem is unbelief. Even though God gives a promise of entering into the promised land, but we are not able to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief is a problem. Please go and listen to my series, The Fight Against Unbelief. We need to fight and kill unbelief in our lives. We must fight and kill unbelief because the power of God is in abundance, available for his children. That's why Paul, when he was teaching us to pray in that Ephesians chapter 1, what, among the things he said he wanted us to know, he wanted us to know the power that works towards those who believe. The same power of resurrection 
that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you today. The same power of resurrection is walking towards those who believe. Why is it not being manifested every day? You said it's simple. Paul said it's unbelief. Unbelief comes in different dimensions. But let's bear it in mind, unbelief is a problem. There's unbelief that comes because of wrong focus. Like I said earlier, we learn a faith that says that God is only giving people billions. God says, I don't want to give you billions. You don't have a billion assignment. And when you start exercising faith, you must understand that faith has measures. When you start exercising faith in things that God is not giving to you, when you start exercising faith in things that in directions that God is not leading you, you start wearing out. Children of God, let me drop something. You can't plan your life. There's no way I'm saying it. You have to be very, very careful. Before you start pushing, pushing, pushing a particular direction. Paul said three times I prayed. God, did not, God, God refused, so I left it. Moses said three times. The third time, God said, don't talk, about, don't talk to me about this thing again. Take time out in every matter. Settle down with the Lord about it. If by the third time, like I say, the thing that will not shift, something is up. Something is up. I said, God, this is your promise. This is your word. Where am I getting this wrong? This time I'm not making any requests. Lord, just talk to me. Because many times we've wasted our spiritual energy on things that are not our portion. So, the real blessings God wants to give, we don't have energy to collect them. What am I praying today? God loves you severely. Is that English good? He does. It pains him when you go wrong. That is, you just leave the track and go in another direction. There is no plan you can have for your life that can come close to it. Listen, the ones you see on the earth, eh? you know, this is our, uh, um, this is our doggy guy, the internet froster that they arrested the other day. I didn't know anything about him until the arrest, really. So that was all. And that, when I started seeing all the things around him, I just bought myself a Bentley for Valentine. Buy a watch, you snap the watch, snap the receipt to show that the watch is $250,000. I put it on Instagram. When I saw it, maybe because God has given me experience in life and all of that, I said, this guy is very foolish. He's an empty man. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I didn't feel, I couldn't have felt a shred of envy for him. Whether he's legitimate, whether he stole the money or didn't steal was not the issue. When you are behaving like this, your soul is a vacuum. It's empty. It's obvious. Because you see Mark Zuckerberg. What does he wear? A t-shirt. pair of jeans. Fourth richest man in the world. He doesn't buy Bentleys for Christmas. If he buys a Bentley, he's not going to discuss with you. You see a poverty mindset. One of the richest men in the world that time. I don't know what he drives now, but Segi Brain was driving a Toyota Prius. I'm going to explain something. When I saw that guy, that I said, Can't you see? Emptiness. Are you getting my point? Now, this is this point I'm making. A lot of times, Christians focus on emptiness. And they now say, God is not faithful. 
sway, a man like him will sway people that are not going anywhere. Christians will follow them and sometimes say, God say, listen, if I open your eyes, you should know that these things mean nothing. Nothing. I remember the day our friend in Lagos came to pick us from the airport with the Rolls Royce. We are inside, you know, so my wife didn't have a good look outside. We entered. He said, what car is this? I said, it's a Rolls Royce. And I said, so what is special about us being inside? I said, can't you see the way AC is blowing differently? It's not bots in this. I was just trying to, it was just a joke. <laughs> I just said, I said, my sister, not just, not just so life be, because she was just like, okay, so, so, okay, we are being carried, you know, in a Rolls Royce, so. I said, it's a Rolls Royce. Now, what's your problem? Just sit down there and then. And enjoy, and enjoy, and enjoy. The point I'm trying to make is that, listen, when Solomon says vanity upon vanity, he means it. And that's why God doesn't pursue it with us. He doesn't. What he does is that they say, oh God, he loves us and he's taking care of us. Let's just not put our focus and be following confused people. Like the young man who says, I bought a bounty for Christmas. And how is that my business? And I can't pray properly again. Do you get my point? I'm not emphasizing, look, just trust in God. He loves you, seriously. He wants to take good care of you. Just stay, stay, relax. That's what he said. Relax. Relax. He said to Israel, oh, that you will have hearkened unto me. He said, your well-being will have been like a river, and your righteousness like the wave of the sea, or the other way around, one of the two, you know. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. He said, but you won't have any of it. That's the problem we have. We start running up and down. God said, relax. I love you more than you can ever imagine. You think you are grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. Now, if I give it to you in 10 years time, you will hate it. And I know. So I say, relax. Let's bow down our heads. Listen, I'll pick it up from that point next time. I wanted to talk about sanctification, but we didn't get to it. Let's just give a lot of thanks. Let's just give thanks. I think, let's just give a lot of thanks. Just thank God for his love. Say, Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. We are thanking him for his love towards us. We are thanking him for assurance. We're thanking him because of his plan towards us, which is of good. I'd like you to give him thanks for that reassurance from the Father that we can rest, that we can rest on him. Say, Lord, we thank you. We are grateful. Just, I'd like you to take one minute. All we're just doing is we're thanking God for that word. Because indeed, if we continue to abide in him, and his words abiding in us, then he will bring us to that end, to that perfect end. So let's thank him and say, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, because you have sent words of encouragement to us again. We thank you. We thank you for, show, for reminding us that we belong to you. We belong. Sometimes it's like we forget that we belong to God. But letting us know that you are a good father that you have our welfare at heart, 
Lord, we bless your name. We thank you. Maybe you just pray this prayer and say, Lord, help me to remain in faith. Help me to remain in faith. Help me to remain in faith. That is our prayer, Lord. That will not pursue after vanity. That will not pursue after the vision, our personal visions and dreams. Oh Lord, as you lead us, we just follow. You are the one ordering our path. As you order our steps, Lord, we follow. That is our prayer. Father, we give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. I said the Lord is good. All right. It's well with you in the name of Jesus. The word of God will manifest in your life in Jesus' name. The love of Christ will manifest in your home in the name of Jesus. This pandemic, it will not take you. In fact, the pandemic is frustrated, self. When it look, you don't tire. Say, I beg, I'm going back to China. You, you are safe. You, you are protected. You, you are kept. And listen to me, your loved ones also. I don't care. They say, it's more severe in older people. Just mention your own old person. That's it. Say, God, in Jesus' name, keep my father, keep my mother. That my uncle, I love him very much. Lord, keep him. Simple. And the Lord will keep such a one. In the name of Jesus Christ. I say it again, it is well with you. From the top of your head, every affliction in your back, in your kidneys, wherever it is hiding, I speak to it, go out now in Jesus' name. God has given you, child of God, he has given you health to enjoy and to serve him. Enjoy the Lord. Enjoy serving him. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's share the grace in fellowship. All right, one, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into a life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. Because we are seated high above with Christ, this is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Quickly just bless two people around you. Say this is your season.